0: We made it. It's the last Sunday of the year. What a year it has been. Are you looking forward to the new year? Uh, Every year I make goals. I usually come up a bit short on a few, but uh, (laughs) this year, goals? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Goals took a backseat. I got to be honest, I have tried to prepare for the next year. I've honestly taken a really good run at it. Now and again, much like the writing of this sermon, actually, uh, setting goals has felt a lot like preparing to get myself stitches. It's, it's not something that I wanted to do. I've even dreaded thinking, about what what am I even going to accomplish next year? What am I going to accomplish next week? What about next month? It hasn't made planning exciting, and I, and I feel that. The coronavirus no matter how you feel about it, has shown us a fatal flaw. Though we desire control for our life, sometimes the lives of others, we can't control everything. All of our planning, all of our power, put down by a microscopic virus. What a great way to start a sermon, hey? (laughs) Listen, there's hope for us. Planning next year isn't off the table. Setting goals, trying to win at life is still a good idea. But what COVID has shown us is that winning at life may not be what it seems. There is a story in scripture about a church in Turkey uh, that has come to mind now and again, as I was thinking about you guys this Sunday. John, the prophet who wrote about it in the book of Revelation, the very last book in your Bible. Um, this church was an affluent city with two sister cities nearby. Sound familiar? You can think of it like a tri-cities of the New Testament Turkey. Actually, it's situated near modern-day Pamukale, or Pamukale, however you say that. Uh, there were three cities, Heriopolis, Colossae, where we get the book of Colossians, and Laodicea. In Revelation 3, verse 14, John the prophet wrote down a vision he received and gave the letter to the church in Laodicea. So if you don't have your Bible yet, actually, I'm going to give you a minute. <laughs> go get your Bible. Maybe you're using something on your phone, but go get your Bible. If you've got kids, gather kids around, and I, wanna, I want you to open it to Revelation 3, 14. So I'm going to flip there myself, give you a chance to do that. Revelation chapter 3, 14, way at the back of my Bible. This is the word of God, and it's the letter to the church in Laodicea, starting in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one. Or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I have need of nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus speaking, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. Salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And we know this, we know this verse, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. And he with me, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on the throne. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, this is the word of God. It's absolutely true, and it's been given to you and to me in love. If you have your Bible open to Revelation 3, just leave it open, because I'll be referring to it Now and again. Now, there's a lot that we can learn from this passage today, but I just want to show you one thing in particular. Jesus, or he's referred to as the Amen in this text, is warning the church in Laodicea to change. He's giving them a warning and he's counseling them to live a victorious Christian life. Well, I want to show you, but before we do that, I want to give you a few narration notes, okay? So the first thing is as you dig deep in your faith, as you read the scriptures, it's important that you read each book in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation as it's meant to be read. Okay, so let me explain. Has anyone in your family ever been, let's say, angry with you uh, because they misread your text? (laughs) Okay, is this a personal story? Maybe it is. Let's just say I had a bad experience, okay? It's important what the author meant and the way that they said it. The reason and the way something is written determines its meaning in this case and in many others. We don't read a car manual like a fiction novel, and we don't read Revelation, this book today, like the book of Proverbs. They are different in styles and forms of literature, okay? So that's the first thing. That's really important, especially as we read the book of Revelation. Secondly, Revelation is the most hyperlinked book in the Bible, okay? So you know what a hyperlink is? You click it, all of a sudden, you're on a webpage you don't want to be. Revelation is like that. It's like every other word is hyperlinked to another book in the Bible. It's connected to everything else, and you can only stand, understand this one part of it while you understand the whole. So it's important to take Revelation in context of the rest of Scripture. And the last note, and then we'll dig in, is uh, something Richard Balcom said in, in one of his commentaries on the Revelation. And this is important, okay? So listen to this. In a sense, the whole book is about the way the Christians of the seven churches may, by being victorious with the specific situations of their own churches, enter the New Jerusalem. So that's what the whole book is about. It's about the seven churches being victorious in order to enter into the New Jerusalem. Okay, so let's go back to our passage. Now, I've often heard this passage interpreted and preached um, to people thinking, you know, hot or cold, whether being for Jesus or against him. Like, I'm hot for Jesus or I'm cold for Jesus. And that all, obviously that sounds weird, but it's also not what this is saying. So it's important that we don't uh, think of it that way. That's not about being hot or cold for Jesus. Jesus is giving a warning to the church in Laodicea, and he's counseling them to live a victorious Christian life. Okay, from verse 14 all the way through 22. He's counseling them to to live a victorious Christian life. So what's all the the hot and cold stuff about? What's all the hot and cold, and I'll spit you out of my mouth, language about? In ancient times, okay, due to a lack of technologies like refrigeration, etc., hot water and cold water was pretty hard to come by. Can you imagine living a life where hot water and cold water is hard to come by? Um, And so the ancients actually revered hot and cold water as very, very useful, very useful. That's the key here, okay, very useful. And so Leon Morris states in his commentary on this book, this is what this is meaning. The deeds of this church are summed up in the accusation, you're neither cold nor hot. The imagery may be derived from the water supply of the city, which appears to have been drawn from hot springs in a distance so that it arrived to the city lukewarm. This forms a contrast with the hot springs nearby Hierapolis or modern-day Pamukkale, and the cold, refreshing water of Colossae. Hot water heals, cold water refreshes, but lukewarm water is useless for either purpose. It's useless for either purpose. And so that's what Jesus is saying. I wish that you were useful to this church in Laodicea. He's saying, I wish that you were useful. I wish you were hot or I wish you were cold. I wish you were healing or I wish you were refreshing. And so we see that Jesus is actually demonstrating disgust. I'll spit you out of my mouth with those who are given. He calls himself the Amen, the truth, and do nothing with him. We're given the truth and we do nothing with him. They're neither healing nor refreshing their fellow man. The Laodiceans were, uh, yeah, part of their culture, but becoming warped by it and chasing after idols. They were in danger of syncretism and just only looking like the world and not looking like Jesus at all. The affluent world they lived in was forming their desires away from God, and it was showing up in a lack of care for others. Gosh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> right? The blessing of wealth and prosperity had become their heart's desire. And this is what's interesting. Their very literal materialism had tempted them, had tempted their hearts to love the gift and not the giver. They loved the gift and not the giver. They loved their material things and and forgot about Christ in all of it. And so what Jesus says, for you say, I am rich, I've prospered, I need nothing not realizing you're wretched, you're pitiable, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. So these three images... Are really important and I don't have a lot of time to go into them but they represent specific things that the the church in Laodicea was struggling with this this warning for us today is very important it's very important for you to hear this (laughs) I've seen this in my own life uh, when when the things I can and the things I can't afford become the things on which my mind dwells I start slipping down a slope (laughs) My affections start turning to gaining prominence, gaining prosperity. And my affections start turning away from others. They start turning inward, away from the greatest gift I've ever received, away from the amen, away from Jesus, away from the truth, away from him. When I face these situations and I I don't know why my heart is turning towards possessions instead of loving others. I pray, I was asking a friend, actually David, one of our pastors here, and would you believe it, David recommended me a book. Now, if you don't understand that, talk to David, I'm sure he'll recommend a book to you. This is what it said, aren't you like me, hoping that some person, something, or event will come along to give you that final feeling of inner well-being you desire. Don't you often hope, may this book, may this idea, course, trip, job, country, relationship, fulfill my deepest desire. But as long as you're waiting for that mysterious moment, you'll go on running helter-skelter, always anxious and restless, always lustful, angry, never fully satisfied. You know that this is the compulsiveness that keeps us going and busy and at the same time makes us wonder if we're getting anywhere in the long run. This is the way to spiritual burnout. This is the way to spiritual death. This is the warning that Jesus is warning against. Jesus is warning the church in Laodicea to change their ways, He's counseling them to live a victorious Christian life. He's counseling them to live and and to win at life, even though winning at life may not be what it seems, that it might not look like control of my entire environment and never experiencing being out of control. Isn't control the default default mode of the human heart (laughs) when we only know the story of the gospel and we continue to live as if we're saved by our works, by what we have, by what we do, we continue to base our standing on spiritual and moral performance, it leads us to spiritual deadness. It leads us to spiritual deadness. It wasn't too late for the Laodiceans and it's not too late for you and me. Listen to what Christ says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. And I also conquered and sat with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the seven churches. Although it is sometimes hard for us to believe, it is whatever we do to the least that we do to Christ. Christ is speaking, yes, he's speaking, let me in. But he's also speaking metaphorically, I stand at the door and knock, that I may come in and you may know me and I know you. But he's also saying, I'm all around you in the faces of others. I'm all around you in the faces of others and how you treat them is how you treat me. Listen to what Jesus says in his teaching in Matthew 25. And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Remember, Jesus said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. (laughs) For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me naked, and you did not clothe me. You can hear the echo of our text, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. That, that God is in the people that are all around us. Uh, this is a really interesting um, observation that Bonhoeffer made uh, in one of his sermons that he gave after Christmas one year. And this is what he says. Jesus, I stand, Jesus stands at the door knocking. In total reality, he comes in the form of the beggar, of the dissolute, human child in ragged clothes, asking for help. He confronts you in every person that you meet. As long as there are people, Christ will walk the earth as your neighbor, as the one through whom God calls you and speaks to you, makes demands on you. That is the great seriousness and the great blessedness of Advent. of the Advent message. Christ is standing at the door. He lives in the form of a human being among us. Do you want to close the door, or do you want to open it? In the Christmas season, we we celebrate the new year, and we wait for Jesus to come again. We wait with eagerness, not as the Laodiceans, Laodiceans did. We mustn't get caught up with the materialism that's all around us, We must not forget to see the imago Dei, the image of God in the stranger walking by or in the store clerk wearing a mask. We must love those as we love Christ. Winning at life isn't what it seems. Winning may mean giving our best away to others. It's not how the Laodiceans lived. As we wait, As we wait for the new year, as we wait for COVID to to go away, (laughs) as we wait for Christ to come back, as we live in this world of waiting, we ought to be a people of healing and a people of refreshing for others. And all this is possible because of the Spirit of God living within us, to be like the hot and cold water, (laughs) to be healing and refreshing. Maybe you don't feel like you can be a healing person right now or a refreshing person. You're running on empty. You're barely hanging on. You're not making goals. I get that. If you're listening to me now or weeks from now in your car, you need to know that God is with you. You don't feel like you have enough energy. You might have kids crawling all over you right now or a spouse that's pushing you away, but you need to know that Jesus' invitation to the Laodicean church extends to me and it extends to you. It is for us. We can change. And we can be zealous for good works. To be zealous and to repent. Open the door to your heart. Let him in. Then out of your heart will flow rivers of living water, waters of refreshing, waters of healing. When we run out of generosity, when we run out of resource within, we know where we haven't been relying on Christ. Alone, we can only be generous as we have resource. But with Jesus, we have an unending resource of love, an unending ability to show grace. On your own, you can be kind until you're fed up and have nothing left. But Jesus' people have a wealth of forgiveness for those who have trespassed against them. Do you see that by yourself, you're limited we know our limitations nowadays, don't we? By yourself, you're limited. Maybe you don't think you're, you're limited. You might think that you have a great wealth of forgiveness story. You may think that on your own, you're generous. But don't be fooled. This is a warning to the Laodiceans, and it's a warning to us. Here, Jesus is preaching. How many of you, though you're evil, will give your child some food when he asks? So then, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to his children. Christ saying, even though we have an evil heart, we long to give good things. We, we don't want to be fooled. We want to take his warning seriously. We want to be zealous for good works and repent. God, who has given us the greatest gift of his son, not only gives us his son on the cross, uh, crucified for our sin, but he extends his very life to us so that you and me can, our, can participate with him in his work. So this year, as you're thinking about how can I win at life this year, do I even want to try, Um, I I want you to think about maybe redefining what winning at life looks like, that maybe it looks like being a healing person, a person of healing, a person of refreshing. Maybe it looks like going to Jesus, and then out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. There's a couple people I want to pray with today. The first person I want to pray with is the person who's, who isn't following Jesus but wants to, the person that feels that, that, that lack of resource, that lack of ability, and wants to be generous out of the love that God has shown them, that wants to repent and, and makes their life belong to Christ. The second person I want to pray with is the person who is following Jesus and, and simply wants to repent, wants to change, and wants to grow with God, that wants to say, Lord, Help me. Uh, Give me a salve for my eyes. Give me clothes for my nakedness. Give me gold refined in fire. If you want to follow Jesus, you want to receive this greatest gift of all, I want to pray with you. And by praying this way and living according to the scriptures, you are called a child of God. That's a beautiful truth that today your heart can be renewed and filled with life and generosity If you would like to do that, if you'd like to do that, you can pray with me. You can repeat this prayer under your breath if you're with others or or whatever you like. Just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I confess that you are the Son of God. That you gave your life on the cross for my sin that you are living in resurrection power. I choose to follow you all the days of my life and I will live with you forever. And this is a beautiful thing that's happened in your life and I just want to pray that over you. Lord, I thank you for this person that has given their life to Christ today. I thank you for their desire to follow you. I pray that you would Bless them and keep them, help them to follow in all your ways, and we celebrate with them today. If you are following Jesus, I want you to ask yourself, what, what can I do to serve the Lord? Maybe you're doing lots already. I want to help you understand that, that winning at life might not be what you thought it was. It might be loving your family by cleaning your kitchen. Serving the Lord is worship, yeah, it is mission, but it's not only church work. It might be to commit to worshiping God each day as you walk your dog and care for one of his creatures that you you show love to something that doesn't know any better. Maybe ask yourself, how might you help the poor this year? How could you help those in need? Ask the Lord in prayer, what are are three things that I can do, Lord? What can I do to to serve your kingdom purposes in my life? What can I do to to help my church? What can I do to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Ask him, and then wait. You've heard this message a lot this month. Give space. (laughs) Let God speak to you. Give space. Ask God to speak to you, and then give space for him to. Read his word as you're waiting on him, read his word. And then, write, and then write it down. Write down what you feel God is calling you to do this year and make a plan and commit to that. Ask the Lord to use this, this work in your life, whether you accomplish it or not. Even though winning at life may, may not be what it seems, Jesus is calling you to live a victorious Christian life, that you would be a person of healing, For others, that you would be a person of refreshing. Even if you feel like you're on empty, that you would rely on God, that you would go back to his word, that that out of your heart would flow rivers of living water. Ask him, and then wait. Give space for him to speak to you, and then plan to do it. I want to read this scripture over you, and then we'll pray. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let me pray pray over you today. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, we pray that you would lead us to live victorious Christian lives, that we would love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, all of our strength, that we would love our neighbors as ourselves, that we would love them as Christ. Teach us to live in your ways and follow your teaching. Lord, would you help us as we plan for the year ahead? Thank you for today. It's in your name we pray.